Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Welcome to today's podcast. It is a conversation with Dr. Sarah Ashton from Ships Psychology on the topic of desire, fetishes, and kinks in sexual relationships. Before we dive into this episode, I want to make two things super, super clear for you, the listener at home or wherever you are. The first is that we do discuss sensitive topics during our conversation. We touch on childhood abuse and sexual abuse. If this is a sensitive topic for you and is going to cause you upset or distress, please skip this episode. It is important that you protect yourself and you look after yourself and listener discretion is strongly advised for this episode. The second thing is that this is a very general conversation. And so I want to make it incredibly clear that the topics and things Dr. Sarah speaks about are general and broad and it is not to be taken as individual personalized psychology um, information or guidance. If you want to speak to a psychologist and work through anything yourself, please do head to your GP and grab yourself a referral so that you can do this. But everything discussed in today's episode is conversational. Some of it is anecdotal and it is not to be taken as prescriptive, personalized information or guidance in any way, shape or form. So as I mentioned, my guest for today's podcast is Dr. Sarah Ashton. Sarah is a registered psychologist, board approved supervisor, researcher, and the director and founder of SHIPS. Sarah created SHIPS because she saw a deep need for safe and inclusive spaces to talk about sexual and relational issues. She sees reducing shame around sexuality as her personal and professional purpose. Sarah brings over 14 years of experience, warmth and respect to the therapeutic space. Sarah's approach to therapy is elective, adaptive and trauma informed. You can learn more about Dr. Sarah Ashton and the SHIPS psychology team by heading to shipspsychology.com.au. We also have resources in our show notes as well so be sure to check them out and again if this is a sensitive or potentially distressing topic for you please do skip this episode all right let's hit play on my conversation with dr sarah ashton 
Dr. Sarah Ashton, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join me for another conversation on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me back. I have been so looking forward to exploring this topic with you because I think it's a topic that just doesn't get enough airtime. And so that topic is speaking about kinks and desire and fetishes. And so when I was brainstorming guests for this topic, I straight away thought of ship's psychology because your Instagram account is such a wonderful resource. So I reached out to you and you've graciously accepted. So perhaps we could begin at the beginning by defining exactly what is a kink. Sure thing. Yeah. Well, a a kink, put simply, is any sort of variation of sexual interest that sits outside the norm. And what is normal when when it comes to to sex? Well, the answer is um, there really is no normal. There's so much variation in terms of um, interest. So it's 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 a term that that people use to usually refer to fetishes um, or um, different relationship dynamics that might be present in um, BDSM um, or sometimes um, paraphilias as well. Um, so it's kind of a way of of collecting um, something that that might be um, that sit outside the norm of what people. Um, might perceive as as being a usual interest. Um, so um, a a fetish is um, arousal to um, an object, a scenario, or a fantasy, um, and it's usually a pretty specific and and kind of heightened arousal. Um, and so. Uh, that can be pretty interesting to explore um, and it's something pretty important to talk about. All of this is really because um, it is a normal part of human sexuality and uh, it's really important that we normalise this discussion and that we allow people a space to understand themselves and, and what is right for them. Yeah, and I think just like that whole word normal, mm. when you were speaking then I was thinking it's really about what's shown to us as normal, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's just, it's like, oh, this is what we're shown is normal. So then we think anything outside mm-hmm. of that, and when I say shown, I guess mm-hmm. I mean in movies or in very limited conversations when we're understanding mm-hmm. what sex is. Yeah. So then anything that's kind of outside of those parameters, mm-hmm. people can feel a bit of shame about mm-hmm. and unsure on what it is or why they find that to be you know, something that turns them on or something that they do fetishize. Yeah, that's right. And not to mention um, porn is a big point of reference for people. And, you know, the content of mainstream porn in particular, that's shifted and changed a lot over over time. So that's important to remember that that shifts and change, changes our reference point of, of what we think is, is normal. Um, and really, when it comes to sex and sexuality, while it can be helpful to refer to things like porn or other people's experiences for inspiration or for learning, um, really what's most important is that we learn to tune into our own sensations and signals and learn to understand what our preferences and desires 
are and how we can communicate that to our partners or partners. Um, so using um, the norm or using, you know, external uh, ideas of what sex is can be really unhelpful because that might not match up with what we actually feel and what our desires really are. Um, so, yeah, let's create a space where we're able to tune, learn to tune into that and also where we're able to, to safely share that um, with people that we want to. Are kinks and fetishes different? Yeah. Like so from one another? Yeah, so the kink is kind of like the umbrella term, so anything, any sexual interest that sits outside the norm, and then a fetish is a specific arousal to an object, scenario, relationship dynamic or fantasy. If someone has a fetish, do they, typically speaking, and obviously everything that we're chatting about today is like just generalising, none of this is personalised information, but if someone has a fetish, would they then struggle to have sex without that fetish being part of it? Some people do, um, but for other people, it just makes up one component of their sexual interests. So um, when uh, essentially what happens in our brain when it comes to arousal is we, we pair um, pleasure and orgasm with um, the thing that is bringing that about. And that could be what we're looking at, what we're feeling, an object, a, a point of association. And so for some people, uh, they they might only build up that association with an object or the pleasure and arousal might be so heightened that that's what all they want to seek out. That's like the, the best thing in the world. So everything else in comparison doesn't really kind of, you know, um, hold Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that can create a sort of um, a, a more of a kind of preferred arousal pathway, um, and uh, also can mean that people might find it difficult to experience orgasm uh, or pleasure in other contexts. Um, but really, uh, what we've got to remember is that our brain is pretty plastic, and so what we consume, what we fantasize about, and the experiences that we have actually all shape what our preferences will be and what we're aroused to. Um, so that's that's really important to remember. Is there a lot of research surrounding why people develop certain kinks or fetishes? There's, there's a little bit of research um, and there's pretty kind of conflicting theories around this. Um, so some research suggests that um there's uh, incidental or paired associations that happen. So, for example, um, uh, if if somebody, um, when they're first experiencing arousal for the first time, happens to be in the same place as a banana, um, <laughs> like that yeah. there's just a banana randomly in the environment, right, then they might develop um, a, a fetish for the smell of banana, for instance, right, because it just so happens incidentally that that experience of arousal and, and potentially orgasm was paired with, with that smell. And so then that's something that they, when they're moving through the world later on, they smell banana and suddenly, oh, their brain associates that with um, with arousal, so they become aroused, right? Kind of like an imprint. Exactly, exactly. So um, that, that that's sometimes how it can happen, and particularly if it's early sexual experiences, anything that happens early on in our life, um, as we were talking about with attachment, right, is really, really powerful. So um, if they have that paired association happen early on, sometimes that can be a pretty powerful imprint on someone's brain, and that can influence then um, what they feel 
they carry in their, um, you know, sexual uh, map for arousal uh, in the rest of their life. But other times um, kinks and, and fetishes can arise from more uh, complex psychological interplay. Sometimes it can arise from um, maybe deep needs that we have psychologically or in our life that are not actually being met. Um, and so oftentimes people use uh, fetishes or BDSM scenarios as a space to explore different parts of themselves and heal. Um, that can be done really well. It if it's done well, <laughs> um, and if it's not, it can actually kind of present some further issues. And so that's it's a pretty important to establish what is needed for safe exploration and to really understand for yourself what is driving your desires um, and what might be behind that. Because if what you really need is healing and if what you really need is um, healing within yourself, then it can be important to get some extra support from a psychologist around that. Can imagine, and also, I mean, you tell me, but as you were speaking, then Sarah, specifically, especially, excuse me, about the early childhood stuff, I was kind of couldn't help but think, is there then a link between people who are perhaps abused sexually in their early childhood and then kinks later on or fetishes later on in life? Which I guess that's kind of like interlaced with the psychological needs, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so look, uh, there there can be, but there also cannot be. There's really no one size fits all. Um, you know, when people are abused as children, they have the um, incredible and um, devastating task of recovering and healing from that. Um, and we have lots of different ways of adapting to that. And for some people, um, uh they they might find that they develop fantasies that correspond with the abuse that that occurred for them and this is actually your brain's way of trying to create a positive association with something to take back control exactly to take back control or to to say okay this thing was really harmful and problematic let me um you know let me pair this with with something that's pleasurable you know so then people might recreate sort of similar scenarios to to change the way that they are engaging in that so that they might be in a position of control and consent um, and and also to work through some of the feelings that they have about that so so that's that's um, that's a really common experience it's also really a really common experience that um, when people experience um, sexual abuse or childhood sexual abuse, they might have actually experienced um, arousal during that. That's really common and a really important thing to normalise actually because lots of people can feel distress um, around that and shame around that. Um, and so then there you've got a sort of paired association in your mind, right? So arousal, perhaps involuntary arousal, and then, um, you know, the experience of not being safe um, and invasion and violation in some way. And so then you've got those things paired in your mind, and that's really going to change what you, you might find to be arousing moving forward. Again, everyone is so different, so there really is no one-size-fits-all. And stigma and shame and discrimination really come about when we start to make 
judgments or general assumptions about people based on what has happened to them or or what it is that they like and prefer. Um, they're, they're really, it's about understanding the individual and what's right for them rather than making judgments based on behaviour or circumstance or history. That's so helpful. And I think it's a good idea as well just to really highlight that fact that sometimes people who have been through childhood abuse will struggle because there were times when it was enjoyable for them or where they found themselves mm-hmm. yeah, enjoying whether physically what's happening or just the attention and all of that stuff. And it's so mm-hmm. conflicting. And I imagine people mm-hmm. feel that confliction of emotions with kinks as well and fetishes because on one hand they so enjoy it, but then on the other hand, I think for a lot of people there's shame. Mm. And, and look, um, that it, that's why it's really important to look at our our own internal psychology and also our attachment experiences, going back to our previous discussion, because for a lot of people, love and also a lack of safety, attachment and a lack of safety have existed at the same time. And so people learn to tolerated a a lack of safety or even crave a lack of safety because they associate that with love, right? They associate that with attachment, you know? Um, And so that's really important to understand about yourself because that makes total sense, you know? Your, Your nervous system actually adapts to the heightened state of, of fear and, and, uh, and like autonomic arousal when you're in that state. So what sometimes if you're, um, if you've experienced trauma early on in life, that means you can seek out the same sorts of circumstances or the, the same sort of stimulation within your body and your system. So again, that's a really normal thing. And there isn't necessarily anything wrong with doing that. But again, it's about knowing what it is that you need, you know, at the heart of it, you know, um, and if and if healing um, and support is part of that, you deserve that too. Um, and, and, you know, sex and kinks and exploring different fetishes might be part of your journey as well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For those listening who are still kind of scratching their heads nearly 15 minutes into our conversation going, but what is a kink? Perhaps we could run through, or if if you don't mind, just sharing off the top of your head some kinks that you've come across or that you're aware of or fetishes as well, just so that we can give people listening an understanding of, you know, the broad scope of what what it could be. Mm. Um, Well, look, (laughs) there is quite um, an extensive array of kinks. So um, some examples might be, um, you know, if we take objects, for example, um, people can have uh, a fetish for um, 
feet. Um, they can have a fetish for different textures like rubber or, or leather. They can have um, a fetish for um, shoes. They can have a fetish for a particular way of dressing or a uniform. They can have, um, and then if we move to relationship dynamics, there's dominant and submissive relationship dynamics. There's master and slave dynamics um, and, and, and everything in between. And, um, and then if we think about um, different fantasies, you can sort of overlay that with, you know, particular scenarios that people might find to be arousing. So, you know, uh, the doctor and patient, for instance, you know, um, or father-daughter. Um, so there's sort of like perhaps forbidden scenarios that that um, that people explore through um, fantasy. Uh, yeah, so you could you could go on and on um and um yeah uh there's 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 if you can think of it there's there's probably a kink of it you know yeah yeah yeah, of course (laughs) of course i just thought it might be helpful for someone listening who's like oh i don't really know what that could entail so how could you disclose a kink to a sexual partner yeah, so this is something that that comes up quite a lot because you know oftentimes if someone has a kink, um, they might have uh, had a particular realm of their life where they feel comfortable explore, exploring this. Maybe on their own, um, maybe through looking at porn, maybe through engaging with a kink community. And if they're meeting someone new um, and they're you know. Uh, are getting closer to them either emotionally or, or sexually, then they might think about, you know, sharing this kink for the first time. Um, and there's lots of different ways to do this, but I suppose the most important thing is to know is that, you know, when you share any part of yourself, it's an act of, of vulnerability and it's an act of intimacy. You're letting somebody in to, to know you better. Um, and, and it's also every time you let someone in to know you better, it's also a bit of a measure of, you know, um, and a, and a sort of a test for the relationship, right? If they're going to, um, respond negatively or shame you in any way that tells you something important about them. (laughs) Um, but, uh, some really useful strategies, um, if you're kind of wanting to ease your way in, um, there are some great quizzes that you can do, um, where each party in the relationship um, indicates whether they're like really into something would sort of be open to it or not into it at all and then it just shows you the things that you you match on Um, so that can be a really nice sort of structured way of of easing yourself in Um, you can try um, you know in in a particular sort of like intimate setting you might ask um about their fantasies. So you might say, hey, is there anything that you're really into or anything that, you know, um, you would like to try? Um, and, and you might start by sharing um, a fantasy with them first and seeing how they react to that. Or you can just come right out and say it. You can be pretty direct and straightforward and just say, hey, I want to share something that, you know, I've got a bit of anxiety about this, kind of like, you know, make sure you let them know that you're feeling vulnerable about it um, and that it's kind of important the way that they respond to it. Um, you know, I'm I'm really into, you know, X um, and I... Uh, that doesn't mean that we have to try anything, but I thought I would let you know. And, um, you know, if you're curious or you're interested, I'd love to talk more about it or maybe we could figure out a way of um, experimenting with it. 
a follow-on question from from that is usually what happens if they're not into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and don't worry that that doesn't mean that the relationship is over or that you don't have things that you can explore together a lot of the time there can be things that might overlap in some way you know so they might not be totally into a hundred percent the, the kink that you're into, but they might be there might be an aspect of it or maybe something that's sort of similar that they might be willing to to try. So someone being open and curious is a really good starting point because you have to remember you've got all this like paired association, you've got this experience, you know, um, already. It might be the first time that they're being introduced to this idea. And so if it's not immediately arousing, that doesn't mean it's not going to be in future. Um, a lot of people find that, you know, um, if their uh, sexual partner or partners are aroused to um, something, that that's actually, you know, pretty arousing in itself, right? So um, it, it's important to kind of be open to, you know, the experience changing and also to respect uh, your partner or partner's response. If they don't, if they're not into it, they don't want to try. Then um, it's that's okay, and you need to respect their preferences and their needs and boundaries as well. And maybe there's something else entirely that you can explore together. Yeah, there are some really great apps out there. I believe that I've heard about in other podcasts. I think one of them is called X Confessions because I was looking them up yesterday because I thought that they could be a really helpful resource mm. for people where it's almost like a Tinder for what you're into, but with your partner. Mm -hmm. So you and your partner both log into this app and then different scenarios are presented. Mm. And if you both swipe one way on it, like you both get a match on it, then your partner's notified. Mm -hmm. So it's a very safe way to yeah. do it. And that's what you were saying at the start, yeah. which I just, I think that's so cool. It's such a great way to use technology to safely, you know, disclose these things. Yeah. If your partner comes to you and says, this is something I'm interested in trying and it is a clear no for you, what are some tips on letting them know that it's a no for you without them feeling shamed or rejected? Mm. So I think, again, just going back to the start of what I was saying, you know, they, they have shared something pretty vulnerable with you and they've let you in on something that, you know, um, maybe they were worried about telling you. So it's the most important thing you can do in receiving that information is to let them know how glad you are that they've shared that with you um, and that you, you know, um, are really appreciative of that. Um, and, 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 and then to say, look, it's, it's not really something I've explored before it doesn't really, you know, I don't really kind of think I'd like that idea, but, you know, you do you. <laughs> um, so so there's, there's lots of, even if someone has a kink in a relationship and their partner or partners are not interested in um, exploring that, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the kink. There are lots of ways to um, explore your sexuality and express your sexuality that don't necessarily involve another person and that might be through fantasy or through, um, you know, looking at erotica or porn. Um, and, again, that can bring up complicated dynamics in a relationship, so that's like a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, yeah, it's it's really important that that you're clear and, and kind of unapologetic around your your boundaries it's totally okay that that's what they're into and it's also totally okay that you're not into it either um and and it's just important that you you know you let them know that that 
they're safe to share these things and that you're thankful that they have. Yeah, and I imagine there would be a bit of self-interrogation as to why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling and really just processing your own judgments, your own like knee-jerk reaction Mm. rather than kind of shaming them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Big topic. Yeah, it is a really big topic and and I think that, you know, for some people if they've never been exposed to a particular kink before or um, they've never done any exploring themselves, maybe, you know, particularly for a lot of cis women, your pleasure, your fantasies have maybe have not been a priority for you in your life because we live in a culture that sort of socialises us into thinking that they're they're not right, and and that our it's uh, we're not encouraged to explore our bodies and and how we feel. So you know um, that might mean that we've never really thought about things that we like or or that we desire. So we maybe haven't gone on that that journey you know so it can be a nice invitation to just sort of say oh okay I don't like that but what do I like what what is you know how do I feel about you know um trying something new or different things or is there something else that would be kind of exciting to me you know yeah and excitement and novelty Mm. would you say that those are, are two things that people could kind of explore a little bit when it comes to feeling like desire in their relationship is dwindling. Mm. That's a that's a really interesting question because I think it is it is kind of the um, what people think of when um, they're looking to you know shift the gears in in their sexual relationship. Um, but I think that when it comes to desire, when it comes to arousal, and when it comes to relationship dynamics, there's a lot of other factors that go into the some, a sexual connection. So that can that can include um, the, the the dynamic of the relationship, whether you're both feeling safe and whether you're both feeling able to express yourselves individually, right? And there can be lots of things that play a part in that, including attachment, but also including your communication and the level of emotional intimacy that you have. It can also be about the context of your life. So contextual factors are so important to consider, like, you know, are you feeling particularly stressed at the time or do you have time together to to connect? Do you, are there particular situations that really, um, you know, turn you off? Like, you know, if you're really exhausted at the end of the day, like it just totally puts the brakes on and you just, you know, it's not going to be possible. Um, Also, are there aspects of, you know, the, your the, the character of your partner or are there things going on for you in terms of your body and how you feel about it you know all of these things can play a huge part in how aroused you feel in the moment and they can go and they can play a huge part in why you might get to the point where sex isn't happening and it doesn't feel exciting anymore so Yes, introducing a new thing that can be can be exciting, but it also might not be looking at what's actually going on underneath. So it's important that you explore all of that together and that it can be really useful to explore that with a relationship therapist. Absolutely. Now, if you have time, I just wanted to quickly run through a handful of questions that have been submitted anonymously by some of our listeners. Is that okay? Sure. Yep. Just with reference to the particular 
scenarios that people were presenting. I just wanted to add that anything I have to say is is not clinical advice that's specific to a person. Um, I'm speaking about general circumstances and general information that might apply to the topics that they have raised. My long-term partner is constantly requesting me to wee in my undies and record it or give it to him. It's a new thing and I feel sick about it. I hate the idea of it. Can I tell him that without hurting his feelings? It really upsets me that he wants it when I don't, which I guess we've covered, haven't we? Hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess it, it's really important to to kind of zone in on, you know, that it sounds like if, if you feel like you need to do something, you know, um, for your partner or partners, it's really important that you ask yourself why, you know. Um, why do you feel, particularly if it's something that you don't want to do, you know, why is there a, a, a feeling or, or um, uh, why are you feeling compelled to do something that doesn't feel okay for you? Because it's never okay for you to do something that you don't want to do. And if your partner or partners expect that you, you to do something that you don't feel okay with, that's also a bit of a red flag there, right? Because that because if someone loves and cares about you, then it should never be okay that you're distressed while that you're doing something to please them. So I think that speaking honestly and having a space where you can openly hear um, how you, uh, how you, your partner feels, how you feel and have a space to share that is, is just so important in relation to everything, but also in relation to, to kinks, you know? So it, I think that being able to talk honestly and openly about, you know, again, um, the, the vulnerability of sharing and, and, and how much it's okay for them to have interests and, um, and preferences, but also, you know, what your needs and your preferences and your boundaries are you know, just as important. Is it weird that I sometimes imagine other people when I'm intimate with my partner? No, that's really normal. <laughs> that's a simple one. I'm like, no, yeah, I think yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's really common. You know, I think that uh, there's romanticism or this idea of only desiring one person um, has been built up in our media and, and Hollywood. It's really normal to desire other people. Would it be uncomfortable for you to tell your partner or partners that at the time? Maybe, depends on the person, you know. Um, it, it, and it's important to think about, okay, if I am thinking about something else, somebody else here, does that mean anything for me? Is that a signal to anything for anything else for you about your relationship, about yourself or about your, your sexual preferences or emotional preferences? So it's, it's worth, you know, reflecting on that. If I don't get full satisfaction during sex, I will whip out my vibrator the next day but now I'm finding myself just wanting to do that and not be close with my partner. Thoughts? Mm. Well, first of all, vibrators are pretty great. So, you know, that's, that's understandable. <laughs> and they do things that, you know, um, and they're uh, efficient. That gen genitals can't do, you know, they cannot vibrate. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I think that it, it it is really important to kind of look at 
Um, if you find yourself, for whatever reason, withdrawing from emotional or sexual intimacy within your relationship, it's important to look at, again, what might be underlying that, you know. Being able to pleasure ourselves um, on our own is safer, right? It requires less vulnerability. It requires less work, right? We don't have to think about how we look or what's going on or what anyone else wants or, or what anyone else feelings. needs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you're thinking about the overall health of a relationship, it's work, right? It's work and it, it requires you to invest time, invest energy to, to cultivate different spaces of connection. So I think it's worth asking, you know, why is that investment not there? What, what, you know, why is that not something, a space that you want to move into? Um, and, uh, yeah, that I'm, so my answer would be to ask more questions. Yeah. And mm. last but not least, I have several questions here on the topic of being tied up. They're all, all different kind of ones that have come through, but essentially it's asking, why do I have a desire to be tied up? during sex but in real life I would hate for someone to do that to me Mm. um it's completely normal for us to have fantasies that actually um we would never want to happen in real life because that's what they are they they're fantasies they allow us to explore a different dynamic a different domain of ourselves and you know as I mentioned Um, previously, they can be a safe space for us to explore um, deeper psychological experiences and, um, you know, experiences that we've had in our past. Common uh, things that people say are that being tied up um, allows them to relinquish control that maybe in other areas of their life um, they feel you know, a great pressure to do that. So again, this is another situation where it's it's really worth reflecting on that because if you really need a space where you, you know, are able to just let go and, um, uh, you know, let go of control, that might be a signal that it might be good to look at areas of your life and other ways that you can achieve this. It might be a signal that maybe, you know, um, you are holding a lot of responsibility. It might be, t- you know, a way, it, it, it might be an important signal to shift that. Um, so, so yeah, I I would say that again, it's another prompt to to reflect on things. Um, and but totally normal, totally common, and do, doesn't have to translate to real life. Yeah, and I was just going to say, and if you enjoy it and your partner enjoys it and all is well, it might not have to be a deep self interrogation. It could just be like, oh, that's just part of what I'm into at this at this stage of my life. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is the thing is that it's different for every single person. There's, um, it, it's just important that you ask yourself those questions. And if the case is that you just really enjoy it and it's really fun and, it's, and there's the rest of your life is in balance, it's not connected to anything, go for it, you know, enjoy it. And you mentioned <laughs> that there are kink communities so people can connect with other like-minded people as well. Yeah, that's right. I think it's really important to to reach out and and um, yeah, explore uh, different communities that are oftentimes really centered around particular types of um, kinks or fetishes. So you can meet other people who you know also share your likes and desires, and that might be a space to um, explore you know um, some of the the experience of having this this kink or or fetish and being part of a broader community so you know spaces where you can talk about marginalization or how you navigate kind of you know um, having this 
you know, separate from the rest of your life if that's what you choose to do um, or making sense of, of what that means to you in terms of the, your broader community. But it might also be an opportunity to meet people who, you know, could be fun to connect with or um, fun to have sexual experiences with or intimate experiences with. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and knowledge today. I mentioned the SHIPS Psychology Instagram account at the start of our conversation. And I just want to encourage everyone who's listening right now, whilst you're listening to the end of this episode, jump over to Instagram, find SHIPS, S-H-I-P-S, Psychology, and click follow because it really is a great account to have in your feed. It's just a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much, Kylie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sarah, thank you so much. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.